You're listening to Atlas of Chiropractic, the show where we uncover upper cervical chiropractic care for healthcare professionals, students, and potential patients. I'm Dr. John Stenberg, and with my co-host, Dr. Cameron Bearder, we are your guides to a behind-the-scenes look at the science and practice of upper cervical chiropractic. Welcome to the Atlas of Chiropractic podcast, another international edition. It's kind of crazy. I was thinking about this um, just before we started recording. It's the second interview I've done with someone in New Zealand. It's kind of wild to think that um, just this silly little side project has turned into like a really cool connecting point. Uh, but with me today is Dr. Karita de Jong from Auckland, New Zealand. We were kind of like ships passing in the night at the Blair Conference about a month ago. And there were so many people there, like we never got a chance to connect, but um, we were able to connect after the fact and start a conversation. And I thought, you know, this would be really fun to get to know each other a little bit better. You're obviously there practicing upper cervical care in a, in a part of the world where there's very few resources for that sort of thing. Uh, so that presents some interesting challenges and some interesting opportunities as well. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of get an idea of uh, what your life and practice are like. Um, so if you want, maybe give us a little bit of a background, how you got into chiropractic to start out, and then how in the world, you know, with no resources there, you found your way into this Blair Upper Cervical deal. Thanks so much for having me on. And the message that I sent you was thanking you for the work that you guys do on the podcast, because I have been a long time listener and we don't often, or I don't often have these conversations. So, you know, the topics that you guys cover has been massively inspirational and like motivation and educational for me. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, my journey into chiropractic I think has been a little bit of a chance one. And I think as my career goes along, I am come to understand more and more just how profound that experience was. Cause I always joke that I didn't choose chiropractic and chiropractic chose me. Um, so I live in Auckland in New Zealand now, but I was actually born and raised in South Africa and South Africa's health paradigm and the health paradigm that I grew up with is completely different. Um, it's quite a conservative um, religious upbringing. Uh, we don't have a lot of trust in anything alternative or different. And the GP, the MD, is really the center of your health universe. Right. And I grew up, you know, with the understanding that getting value out of your health appointment is really the amount of medication that you leave with. So if I've got memories of us leaving with bags full of prescription yeah. medication after an appointment, but you would feel like you got really good value for your appointment when you were there and you were really well looked after. And I still look after a lot of ex-South Africans in my practice now. And very often a complaint that they have is that they feel underserviced um, and undercared for. So, you know, I wouldn't have described myself growing up as a, as a sickly kid, but I definitely had a couple of challenges growing up that I think were just kind of the norm. So I had, it was a little bit of a running joke that I was a colicky, vomity kid. And like my parents still joke about it to this day that I vomited on everybody. I had lots of struggles with um, allergies, reoccurring chest infections. Like as soon as it turns to fall into autumn, I would have bronchitis, sometimes turn into pneumonia. And I had my first 
um, memory of having a migraine when I was eight years old at a friend's birthday party. Yes. And at the time, I didn't realize that that's what that was. But because they kept on happening through my life, I got to know what an aura was and, you know, like mm. know the progression of things. So um, as we moved to New Zealand, so my family and I decided to move to New Zealand after I finished my first degree. So I studied film and television production. So I was quite excited to move to the Shire and the land of the Lord of the Rings to go and work in the film industry. Um, but when I got here, a lot of my symptoms became worse and my health kind of deteriorated over time. So all of those allergies became a whole lot worse. The migraines significantly increased in intensity, but also in frequency. And my symptomatology with the migraines actually changed a lot as well. So not only did I have the visual disturbances, but my um, auditory processing, especially language processing, was really affected. So I could hear people make sounds at me and I could hear that I was producing sound, but I wasn't quite sure if the sounds that I was producing were actually formulating sentences properly. Whoa. So for the, the field of work that I was in, which is very much a visual communication-based profession, not, not an ideal situation to be in. Um, and the, the medication that we were working through with the GP as we were increasing things, we ended up really working with um, almost like a sedative. So as soon as I had uh, the aura come on, I had to take sedative, go and sleep it off. So I spent lots of time outside of my office, sleeping in my car, and just hoping that I wouldn't have to experience those kinds of symptoms. Mm. Um, so I think because the symptoms became so severe and I was Googling a lot of things to try and find some kind of solution, at some point, thank goodness for um, Google algorithms that it's through a chiropractic ad in front of me at the office. And I do have a, a giggle about this because I have very strong feelings about Groupon vouchers and like very discounted care. But that's yeah, actually yeah. how I got to get to my first appointment. It was a chiropractor just down the road from me. The first three appointments, including x-rays for $20 or, or something ridiculous. Um, yeah. But I thought, you know, like I've got nothing to lose. Let's see what this is about. So I went along to the appointment and I really don't have a lot of recollection of the appointment because it wasn't incredibly impactful, I think. Um, I do remember the first massive manual cervical adjustment that I received and how much I absolutely hated it. And it was terrifying. <laughs> I don't think that there was a lot of explanation about what to expect. Mm. Um, and, you know, if, if I didn't spend the $20 on those three visits, I don't think I would have gone back, but I was quite adamant to get the full value out of the $20 that I had spent. <laughs> so I went back to um, the following appointment and Luckily, as fate would have it, the way that that practice is structured is that the principal chiropractor only does the first visit adjustment and then you kind of get passed on to the junior associates. And I happened to land with a wonderful young female chiropractor that I think that I could connect with. And she actually remained my chiropractor for years and years after that. So I kept on going back to her. She changed practices and moved practices with her. Um, so... I know it's a little bit of a long backstory, but like I say, I feel like it's quite impactful in the way that it all panned out. Um, it, it is. 
and I think there's so many, there's so many of those stories, you know, it's like you had mentioned the, the chance to it, you know, I've had folks talk about serendipity or just the universe conspiring all these different terms, but it just seems like chiropractors are like called to it. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. And I'm sure there's other professions that feel that way too, but people just seem to have this, like, uh, this moment in time where just the right set of circumstances align for a new idea to enter their life at a time where they're either desperate enough or open enough to consider it. And then from there, you know, the results and, and the experience of being a patient brings a lot of people into the profession. That's what I think is so unique about how we can relate to our patients. It's like, I don't know if a neurosurgeon, you know, gets into neurosurgery because they had a posterior fossa decompression, right? It's like, we can sit and eat and knee with our patients and be like, look, man, I get it. I'm, I'm there with you as a patient currently. And I really think that's a cool connecting point that we have with our people. It just kind of brings everything down to earth and puts us all on the same level. And I think there's value in that. I agree with you 100%. And very often, you know, when I do share my story with the people I have the opportunity to, that's the one thing that they say gives them a lot of hope is that we've been in the same shoes and you know, like, like you say, very often your medical or um, healthcare providers don't get what you're going through. So I think that's why I do have such a passion caring for people with migraines because it did make such a big impact for me. And um, as I as I got better and I started healing, it really felt like I could see my life so clearly um, mm. and I could analyze what was going on. And I realized that I really was not in the right profession I didn't like the projects that I was working on. I had a few people that I really loved in um, working with. So I would tend to choose the projects that I worked on based on the people and not necessarily the project itself. So there was a day and I said to my husband, I feel like I'm going to do something wild because the, this place that I'm working, there's no progression, there's no learning, there's nothing exciting for me. Mm. So I'm going to quit and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I sat on the couch, I think, for three months unemployed just like pondering life and what what I was supposed to do and I did a whole bunch of really odd jobs I did some babysitting and I did a few little projects with the people that I enjoyed working with but one of the things that happened was I had the opportunity to um, do my Pilates instructor training which was completely left field but that was such a, a crucial moment for me of realizing how much I love working with people um, how phenomenal the human body is and going through the process where somebody decides to to make a change and how they do things and support them with that. Mm. So I thought, okay, I love learning. I've discovered that about myself now. So I want to retrain. And I went back into my old programming mode of going, but what does health look like? What does it look like helping people? So I went to the university open days for things like medicine and dentistry and nursing and my chiropractor, who was still that um, second chiropractor I had after that first adjustment, she said to me, like, stop wasting your time. You're meant to be a chiropractor. You'd be a great chiropractor. How about I write you a letter of recommendation to the New Zealand College? I know you don't have a history in all of the sciences because I was an arty kid at school. So I didn't have physics and chemistry and all the things you needed to get to chiropractic college. But the chiropractic college like, graciously interviewed me and said that they would offer me a place if I could if I could complete those prerequisites. So I had my first interaction with uh, 
the periodic table at university <laughs> level and like figuring out what all of this is. So lots of late nights spent on Khan Academy looking at videos on how to balance equations because, you know, I was on this route oh, and it seemed gosh. to fall into place. Um, yeah, so, and, and yeah. how useful is all that, right? Not at all, but I came incredibly, <laughs> incredibly good at just memorizing things. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Made it to the chiropractic college, and you know, the rest is the rest is history. So that's why, like, I arrived to chiropractic college expecting. I think that was a journey in itself because I think a lot of people, when they've had such a profound experience with chiropractic, you go to chiropractic college to become the kind of chiropractor that you saw that got yeah. you the changes that you wanted. But it was such a big um, experience because my chiropractor, as lovely as my care was and as massively impactful, I didn't know that philosophy existed. I didn't know the word subluxation. I'd never heard about innate intelligence. We never covered the fact that, you know, the body is self-healing and self-organizing. So the first few weeks of education was quite a shock to the system. So you got that early on at New Zealand. They brought philosophy right to you. You know what? I am so grateful to the New Zealand College of Chiropractic. I think that their curriculum, so the three the three legs or the three-legged stool are so equally um, represented and covered. So we had the most amazing philosophy lecturers who were so passionate. So literally from your first week, you start covering innate intelligence, triune of life, safety pin cycle, and it just gets drummed into you as the absolute foundation that you do everything with. Mm. Um, I mean, we're lucky enough on the science part of things to have Heidi Horvick and her team who run the research department. So we had neurology lectures from Heidi herself and got to understand, you know, the most up-to-date neurological explanation of subluxation. So for us New Zealanders, that is our foundation education. Like we don't have to That's go and awesome. find those things. Um, and then our technique departments, you know, we cover like a, a wide range of things. So we had full spine techniques, so diversified and Gonstead um, activator protocol. And then we had a um, upper cervical specific, like a toggle recoil technique as part of our curriculum. So I think like we get a very well-rounded education. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, the, so those first few months and year of chiropractic school are so uh, formative, you know, the way that you get, I was talking with a colleague about this recently. It's like, so many people just form their opinions of their profession or their uh, their opinion of where they fit into the healthcare landscape based on those first few months or year of what other what information other folks present to them, even if it's not the full picture, like you said, with with all you know all aspects of chiropractic accounted for, and that's such a fascinating thing. So I, I went to Life University, and it was the same way. And like, I don't know if I would have gone to a school that didn't lead with that type of content that I would have meandered my way into it at some point. Uh, so it is kind of one of those deals. And like when I went, when I chose a school, I went, uh, I visited three schools and basically like I went to life cause it felt right. And it was so crazy because I scheduled a, I scheduled a tour showed up and it was like in between quarters, there was nobody on campus. I like walk into admissions and they're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm scheduled for a tour. They're like, let me find somebody real quick. So it, was, it wasn't even the like sales pitch, right? It was just, it was quiet. There was nobody there. They kind of gave me the quick, like, 
dirty tour. And then I just sat in the cafeteria and just thought about it all. And it felt right. So sometimes like, you know, these things just, just kind of work themselves out. And I never thought about this until you were, you know, talking about your, your part of the story, which is I got adjusted the first time ever, maybe like, I don't know, it had to be a month before I decided to like go to chiropractic college. And I was like, I graduated undergrad, was going to go to dental school, was kind of like half-heartedly applying. And the timeline was similar. It's almost like I was clear for once, you know, I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is the thing I should do. So it's kind of a, like to bring that philosophy into our personal journeys, it's almost like I got adjusted, same deal, general full spine, guy didn't examine me. He didn't tell me anything. He just kind of like did one deal on my neck, you know, but I saw colors brighter, I breathed deeper. And then after that, everything changed. So it's interesting, right? It's uh, such a, I don't, I don't know if other people can relate to that, like other healthcare professions. Cause I have a lot of friends that do different types of healthcare and I don't hear stories like this from them. Um, so I think it's a unique thing, but we're, we're purpose-driven practitioners a lot of the time. And I think that's a, there's something therapeutic about that too. You know, if you go to a doctor who is thinking about your life being the best it can be, as opposed to like, you know, reducing your symptoms to a reasonable level, like that's just such a different way to start the conversation and such a different intention in every step of the process. So very cool. I 100% agree. I have a a lovely local GP who actually refers a lot of people to me. And the main reason he refers people to me is because it frees up his time and it keeps people out of his office, (laughs) which is, you know, you know, this is actually great. Yeah, yeah, she's helping people. Um, but, you know, so many people, it's it's funny you mentioned, like, the normal kid stuff. It's so interesting to think about, like, my son being raised a Cairo kid versus the way I was raised. And my parents did the best they could with the information they had, but all that same stuff applied. It's, like, normal kid sicknesses and normal kid stuff. And, like, we were pretty healthy generally. But it just it's interesting to, I guess the word is, like, what people settle for, you know, in terms of like their quality of life and what what they think their life can can be. And that's just physically. But it's interesting how many folks go through that and little kids that you know get diagnosed and labeled with conditions and treated for them. And then it, it follows them through their life. And it may or may not, you know, even need to be something that they, you know, experience long term. So um, even you just saying like the normal kid issues. I kind of like felt it a little bit because it's like, man, there's so many people like that, that just, they don't know what they don't know. Right. And chiropractors have been saying that forever, but it's true. And and with your experience in the healthcare system in South Africa, it's like, you know, we have conversations every day in here, people's interactions in the healthcare system in America. And it's, it's abysmal, you know, it's not even good customer service, let alone the outcomes. So I think there's a really interesting opportunity at this point in history for people to consider new things, you know, and I think we're really poised to be able to like, when folks are looking for something different, you know, if you, if you can meet that need and do it in a way that um, relates to their life, you know, and uh, it, it shows them a better life for themselves from not just from now, but here on out, that's a powerful thing. And uh, I always kind of get a little bit like, you know, every, every so often people come in and they say, you changed my life, right? We hear that kind of stuff. And it's like, I always almost feel a little bit like, apprehensive to get that pat on the back. Cause it's like, dude, I just adjusted you a couple times. You know what I mean? Like you had that health potential inside of you the whole time. You just yep. needed a couple little tweaks. You just needed a little bit of support and like, look what happened. That's not because of what I did. You know, that was kind of maybe kickstart the process, but like, dude, 
that's what your body can do, you know, and that's a fascinating thing. And the only way that we can explain that, you know, in a way that is relatable is like, it's innately intelligent. Like your body knows how to thrive and is always seeking to thrive in the conditions that it's presented with. And so, um, it's just that, that concept, you know, when I heard that kind of stuff at life university too, it was the same thing. It's like, it just resonated innately. It's like, Oh yeah, well, of course, you know what I mean? Like look at nature, nature heals and thrives and grows and dies and, and there are cycles of it. And it's just, it's just an interesting thing that we seem to have not applied to healthcare, you know, and like getting the most out of our physical existence. And so when someone presents a different way of thinking about that, for a lot of us, it's like, well, duh, you know, like that, that makes sense. The getting to that, you know, and then what do we do? How do we support people? How do we help them realize that in their day-to-day life? And how do we do that on purpose as many times as possible, as quickly as possible with the best possible, you know, uh, outcomes? Like that's the thing that led me to upper cervical was like, okay, I've heard about this thing. We've been talking so much about all of this potential. What's the way to get that out? You know, what's the way to facilitate that? And, And the only thing I could you know, getting toward the end of school, I was kind of having this like existential crisis. I'm like, why do I need to have five things adjusted on me three times a week? I'm a young, healthy dude. Like, what are we doing? And so these upper cervical people were talking about like, well, our adjustments hold, you know, and people do well without needing a ton of intervention. And I'm like, that's that thing they were talking about with philosophy. So how in the world, you got a little bit of HIO or toggle training, but like how in the world did, did the Blair technique come onto your radar? Oh, that was a chance meeting that was just meant to happen, I think, at the right time in the right place. So the the toggle recoil technique that we did, we did quite early on in our education. Um, so coming from that university of experience of just like rote learning, memorization, I went through a lot of my technique training like that as well. Um, I was still having a difficult time um, in that part of my education just to palpate anatomical structures so if you're still having a difficult time finding c1 tvps then you know setting up an adjustment and understanding the biomechanics was just over my head completely and i felt the way that people talked about upper cervical chiropractic was really complicated um really important but really complicated really finicky so not a lot of people do it too many things to faff around with so we leave that to the smart people that was the, the the general feeling that I got about upper cervical chiropractic. And we had a wonderful lecturer, Dr. Graham Dobson, who taught that to us. And he's got so much knowledge. But for where my little peanut brain was at that time, I feel like a lot of it I didn't quite grasp. So I memorized the setups. I know which hand to use. I know which direction to talk. And I can pass the exam, move on. And I was so dead set on getting to the the practical chiropractic center experience and seeing um, practice members to adjust the way that my chiropractor adjusted me. So when we had our fourth year, so our final year of chiropractic college, they did something that they, the college did something that they didn't offer to the years prior. We had the opportunity to do an elective. Um, So you know, as a final year chiropractic student, you kind of feel like, oh, this is now just another hurdle that I need to get through to get to the end. Like, I'm so close to the end. Why do you guys do this to us? Um, But they did give us three choices. So at least you had a choice. And the three choices we had, we could do a advanced Gonstead paper. So we had Gonstead already as one of our core techniques. Um, And I didn't feel incredibly inspired to revisit that again. 
I don't poo-poo any technique. I think that all techniques are great. Technique is one small window that you view chiropractic through, and there will be people who really vibe with that and have great experiences with it. Didn't vibe with me as much Mm -hmm. as it did for others. The second opportunity that we had is we could assist in the research department, so we could help with studies, we could help with um, putting research together, and I mean, Heidi is phenomenal, so that was definitely my second choice that I would have done. But um, Dr. Dobson had this um, technique that he'd had some experience with, Blair Upper Cervical Chiropractic, and even though that's not a technique that he practices with full-time, he had enough resources that he could present to a, a small group of students. And I thought, well, let me at least do something new. So, you know, this the student who doesn't want to get overwhelmed in her last year of chiropractic college chose a technique <laughs> that, as you know, has a lot of theory, um, a lot of different things to what we normally yeah. get taught. So I sat in, in the lecture thinking, oh, dear, what have I done all of these setups are so different. The adjustments are so different. We talk about slope angles and convexity angles where I feel like I've never heard those words before. Um, we're having to take all of these x-rays. I could like barely do AP setups and now I have to do all of this and analyze this. But okay, I've signed myself up for it. Let's do it. So I got into my rote learning memorization brain. But there was one moment that changed everything. And I think for a lot of people, they might consider it being the least sexy part of upper cervical chiropractic. And it was bloody Titron thermography analysis. So, yeah. So the videos that we had, you know, for this Blair elective, we basically watched the Blair um, adjustment videos. And as students, Mm -hmm. we just had to replicate the adjustment. So watch the video, monkey see, monkey do. And then we also had video content from Dr. Jeff Hanna that he produced on Titron analysis. And you could hear the groan in the room because we've looked at these squiggly lines so many times, nobody really knows what they're about. So lots of people, I think, tuned out a little bit to it. But he described patterning to me that felt like my whole chiropractic education just clicked into place. All of a sudden, I understood what we were trying to do with all the other Mm. techniques as well. And I was like, well, if we do this, then there's no guessing. We've got all of the certainty. So I feel like I've heard something now that I need to chase. I need to find out more. So hopped on the internet, looking for Blair upper cervical chiropractors in New Zealand. Couldn't find any. I'm like, okay, great. Find any upper cervical chiropractor in New Zealand to at least go and observe and practice. And the people that I contacted there were three. Two of them said that they do not allow students to observe. And then the third one said, oh, I know that I say I practice upper cervical chiropractic, but really I don't. And I was like, well, this doesn't help me at all. And I thought, well, let me look up Dr. Jeff Hanna and find out where he's at. Because from his accent, I was like, of course, like everybody else, he's going to be far away. But to my surprise, he was in Australia. So neighbors. And I actually stalked him a little bit on the internet and I sent him a Facebook message and said, you know, he he often uses matrix analogies in his teaching and it was a very much red pill, blue pill situation for me. So I emailed him and said, hey, I heard this thing that you said. 
I am now forever changed. I can't go back to how I've been doing things. I want to know more about this. What do I read? Where do I go? Who can I talk to? And he's just been such a massive part of my career. And I think he actually just pinpointed the direction for me to go in. Because he said, let's hop on a video call. And he said, go and get your speed aboard. Show me what your toggles look like. Show me what a setup looks like for this. Show me what a setup looks like for that. Explain to me how this works. And he said, well, I'm hosting um, the advanced seminar in Brisbane in a couple of weeks. And I feel like with the knowledge you have, it'll be a bit of a push for you. But come on over. Like, I'm happy to have you. Uh, the New Zealand College doesn't allow students to attend external seminars. Hmm. Yes. So I had a, a rebellious moment and thought, well, if nobody knows I'm going, then can't really get into trouble. And I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. For sure. Yeah. So um, bought the seminar ticket, bought plane tickets and accommodation, flew over to Brisbane, and it just changed everything. And it made sense. There was so much certainty. I felt like going into chiropractic, I was going to have this really analytical, specific training. And I really don't feel like I had that until I discovered Blair Upper Cervical. And I was like, great, there's no guesswork here. Everything has got structure. And I feel like I can do the best job and I can be the best chiropractor if I practice this way. And Jeff has been so helpful with coming to New Zealand and doing some seminars and hosting them virtually so that I could complete the whole seminar series in order to get through like the certification process eventually. That's awesome. And you did, right? Like just this past um, Blair annual, a doc got her Blair proficiency certification there with uh, a handful of other docs and a bunch of students too. And that's like, you definitely earned it. You know, it's, it's so easy. I could go to a seminar almost any weekend you know, one weekend a month, there's a seminar somewhere that I could get to pretty easy. But uh, I was really proud to see you guys like that had to go out of your way to get it. It means more, frankly, you know, when you do have to stick your neck out a little bit, you know, to go that far. So, you know, I honor that accomplishment of yours. I think it's awesome. And it drives me crazy that there are so many Blair chiropractors in the United States who have been practicing, have the resources, haven't taken that step like shame on you you know there are people who would uh bend over backwards to be able to do that and have so uh, i appreciate that and i think it's awesome a lot of courage like you've made a couple big leaps you know and you may not have thought of it to be like a, a moment of courage but it definitely sounds that way to me it's like you these these things come up in life right it's like at some point we don't have all the information about what's going to happen next right and you just have to make a choice, you know, and you have to bet on yourself sometimes. And I think that the more times we do that, we build that ability to listen in, you know, to the, to that quote, still small voice for the moments when you just really need to, you know, go upstream because it's worth it. So that's awesome. And Jeff, like Jeff doesn't get, you know, as much praise as he's due. And I know he doesn't seek it and is not doing what he's doing for it, but that guy is just like a machine, you know, like the way he puts content together, the way that he, thinks and and the things that he's done to support the Blair technique it, it's insane you know and he's been so helpful to me and so many others too that you know I hope we can all just like 
pause for a minute, give Jeff a round of applause. Uh, and I know he's not even close to being done doing the things that he's doing, but uh, selfishly, I'm grateful that he's he's really close again and that we can uh, collaborate a lot. So um, shout out to Jeff Hanna. And this is that BJ Palmer thing, right? Like you never know how far reaching and, you know, God knows what the future of Blair Upper Cervical in New Zealand holds, but, you know, you start that, you start that process and um, you, you create the opportunity for the next student who gets exposed to that content to then come shadow you or to connect with you and, and sort of pay it forward. It's like, you play that out over time. We have no idea, you know, what the full impact will be. So that's a really, really cool thing. And a lot of the work that he does is like thankless, right? It's late nights, it's early mornings, it's studying, it's putting things together, it's analyzing, it's all that brainiac stuff. Um, but in the real world, it really matters. So we appreciate you, Dr. Hannah. 100%. I'm such a fangirl of his. I'm like, I fangirl a lot, I think, to the point where I make him quite uncomfortable, but he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you guys uh, got a chance to hang out at the Blair Annual about a month ago then, right? Yeah, we did. And I think it was a, a funny thing because he said it, it felt like two worlds collided for him. And he's like trying to, to blend it all together. But yeah, yeah, like if it wasn't for him being so obsessed with with what he does and, you know, making videos about Titron analysis, it's like it's not something that anybody necessarily gets called to do. But if it wasn't for that, then I wouldn't be where I'm at. So, yeah, yeah so grateful to him. Yeah, 100%. And I plug that that Titron course every chance I get on this podcast. And I'll put the link again in the show notes because, I mean, honestly, if you're doing upper cervical, like it's it's a no brainer. Like for the thing that you mentioned, if no, if, if for no other reason, just this idea of patterning, how we can gather data, how we can use it to monitor trends with patients over time, how we can predict things, how we can troubleshoot, you know, how we can understand where they are in the different phases of care. Like, it's, it's not just here's look at the squiggly lines. There's a lot of clinical decision-making pearls and case management pearls in there. And that particular part of it helped me the most. Like I remember being a young doc and like I got into Blair real late in school and I started my practice doing Blair with no experience. And so I was like, you know, case management stuff was like really top of mind for me. I'm like, I could do the setups and stuff, but like, how do I walk folks through this and make sure that they get the results they want? And how do I stay accountable to like that process scientifically? And I'd ask people and I kind of got practice management answers, which is okay. But I was looking for like the clinical part of it. And uh, with his, with his approach to that in that module, that gave me like finally a framework for clinical decision-making for case management and for understanding like with each person, how do I influence these outcomes that we know they can get? Because, you know, twice a week for two weeks and then once a week for whatever. It's like that doesn't work for everybody all the time and it's not appropriate for everybody all the time. And so I felt like the, the main benefit I got from that, besides just understanding how to read the squiggly lines, did I do the right adjustment type of thing is, you know, is that that pacing of care over time, you know, monitoring the right things with the patients and, and pulling those patterns out. So super important for any upper cervical technique. Frankly, I think any chiropractic technique. But uh, especially, you know, with a with an upper cervical lens, because he's trained in atlas orthogonal and Blair. So it kind of applies in a few different ways. Yeah. And so. the thing is, like I say to people in my office all the time, my goal is for you to not need me. My goal is for you to not need an adjustment. So if we can track when not to adjust people, because that's always the hardest thing. It's like yeah. just with palpation alone, 
easy to find high points, easy to find, um, you know, tension points that you might feel urged to put a force into. But when we pattern really carefully, it means that we make the right decisions and like we service our um, our practice members, I think in a very, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Like we get to serve them with integrity. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's really accountability important. and integrity. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I tell patients this all the time. Like, science is not as black and white as you think it is. You know, or that you've been led to believe on the you know the commercials and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. there is a learning curve to you know helping you through this process. I was just telling a lady just an hour ago, you patient, like. I'm going to take some time and learn, you know, and learn what you need and when you need it and how that needs to play out, what you can do, what I need to do. Like, we're going to work it out, you know? And and she was like, okay, good. That's what I wanted to hear because I, you know, I've had previous chiropractic experiences and I felt like I had to be the one to make the decisions because I either, you know, A, like you said, didn't really understand what was going on or like what this was all about, or B, I was recommended so much care and so much adjusting. It just felt like, inappropriate and so they felt you know the need to like manage their own case and it's like we'll figure it out you know we're going to let the data lead the process but person to person you know we're going to be interacting frequently to to work that out too and it's kind of a it's it's it like scratches all the itches right like you've got the science you know so if you're if you've got super nerdy patients or people that are into that you can go there with them if you've got the the people that are more philosophically bent or a little more spiritual like you can go there with them um, and if you've got the people that just want to feel better and get results, like you can go there with them too. Like it's all, it's, it's got something for everybody. And I think if you, this has always been my opinion, but more, more now than ever, I think the modern, the modern upper cervical chiropractor, and, and I think you could probably make the argument that historically this should be the case, but like, I think you need to be strong in all those areas, you know, to be able to be doing this at the highest level. You know, it's like that foundation philosophically is, you know, why we do what we're doing. You know, what is this all about in the world and in health and in, in the patient's life and in our lives? The other part of it is like, okay, that's great, but you can't just rely on bumper sticker philosophy. Like you need to be able to actually do it scientifically and you need to be accountable to that. Um, and then the third part of that is you got to have a way to express that, you know, like bring those two things together onto the table for the patient. And that's where the art and the techniques and all this, you know, stuff like really matters is by the time you get over the table with the patient, it's like, hopefully those two things are just converging in a way that when you make that adjustment, it's going to have the best possible, uh, the best possible outcome of doing what we know chiropractic can do for people. It doesn't mean it happens overnight. It doesn't mean it always happens in one adjustment, but, but I think the promise of it's there, you know, and that's the cool thing about upper cervical is like, you know, we can kind of capitalize on all that. We can capitalize on the philosophy, we can capitalize on the science, and we can lean heavy into the art, you know, to influence that. So anyway, I love this stuff. And it's, it's so fascinating to just, um, you know, like we've never met, we've really barely even chatted, but it's like these, these things like chiropractic techniques, you know, when they draw people into them, it's like, we're kind of cut from the same cloth, but didn't know it kind of a thing. It's really weird. And I remember being a new student and a new doc, like kind of getting into the community feeling like an outsider, like, oh, these people have all been colleagues and friends forever. And like, I'm just the new guy and I don't really even know much of this stuff. Like, but just immediately, 
you know, finding a sense of community with the Blair folks and a lot of common ground, you know, in these things, even though I didn't have a lot of time and experience with the people. Um, that's a really fascinating thing. And I think it's one of the things that the Blair Society offers uh, in, a, in such a unique way is a community of like-minded people, you know, that have similar interests and goals and a vision of chiropractic and, you know, ways that they practice and things that are important to them. And uh, there's the differences too, but I love it. And I think it's, uh, we need that, you know, and part of what I wanted to talk with you about is like, cool. So now there are three of you, you know, in, in the whole country. Uh, so you're literally and figuratively on an island there, you know, and I've, I've felt this way and, and like, I've got upper cervical colleagues that I could go drive to right now, you know, uh, but we all feel this way sometimes that like, we're just in our practice, we're isolated, we're just chipping away at it, you know, it's day in and day out, you know, we're in, in the, the real life part of it, you know, which is where you're mm -hmm. just living and doing it. Um, and so for you, even more acutely, that lack of sort of, uh, uh, physical proximity presents some interesting, you know, barriers. You've made connections and stuff like that, but what are some ways that you've been able to sort of feel connected to the, to the upper cervical community, even though you're not ge geographically accessible? It is a big commitment to do that because like you say, it's so easy to get into practice, get into routine and just chip away at it. Um, I think it all started for me. So when I started developing this obsession with Blair, I very quickly realized, well, I won't be able to take an associate position because who am I going to work for? Because I can't do this any other way. So I started my own practice straight out of, out of college um, nice. because I wanted to explore and build this my way. And I knew that it was going to happen at a specific pace as I gather information and experience. And if I end up working in a practice where they practice another technique, my attention will be drawn away from this. So I had one of the um, mentors and lecturers at the college say to me, you do not need to work for the people who mentor you. You can choose your mentors. You can go and find them. So while I was in my final year of chiropractic college, I hired Dr. Barbara Eaton as my business coach. So I did business coaching in my final year of chiropractic college alongside my education to really like get the business side of that down so that I could create a space for myself. So I have an amazing community of chiropractors with Dr. Barbara and her, um, you know, like our whole tribe of chiropractors who I can lean on from the business perspective, um, perspective of things. But then also, I firmly believe that I should never be the smartest person in the room. I should always be finding people who have more experience, more knowledge that I can lean on and draw from. So I make sure that I keep in contact with amazing people like Jeff. I commit to going to those conferences. So like you said, for you guys, it's you can go to a conference annually. You can go to a seminar just whenever you feel like it. But for me, that is a, you know, $15,000 commitment to get there, go on the trip, do the things. And that to me is just a non-negotiable. Like I will find my people and I will connect to them because I need to know more. And I've learned for myself that I'm an ever student and I want to know more and I want to be improving constantly. So, you know, if there's anybody out there who wants to have a chat and share some information, I'm always down. Well, you know what? It's funny. I, I may have messaged you this too. I had a conversation with a student at the Blair 
conference about like what's life and practice after school like what what's what's on your mind and she's like i really want to go to new zealand and i can't for the life of me remember who it was but i was like well that's awesome like go and do it because we need folks in every corner of the world you know and like it's cool that there are a, like a million blair docs in seattle but like what about everybody else you know uh so i think the cool thing about like being a beacon out there and like shining some light on you in that that region of the world is like it's going to create awareness, you know, and it's, it's like this chiropractic idea. Once you are aware and you know, you can't unknow it, you know, so then doors open and opportunities come along and things change. So I'm, uh, I'm confident and hopeful that in time, like the network there will grow into its own little, own little tribe. And um, I just really like, I would love to do conferences there, here, everywhere. You know, it's like, I like Dr. Um, Joffrey Van Ennis. I don't know if you listen to an episode with him. I mean, talk about commitment. That guy did a diplomate program from Belgium, flew overseas 26 weekends over the course of several years. God never complained once. You know, it's like just just the commitment and that, like like you said, I got to find my people. I got to get there. I got to do it. And just no questions asked, like all in. And that's that is admirable, you know, and, and like we've all griped about spending 1500 bucks on a weekend, you know, to go do that for you to spend 10 times that much. And there's a different level of expectation, you know, that you have when you show up to an event like that for like what it's going to mean to you and what you're going to get out of it. And uh, I hope that you felt that way at the Blair conference. Like what were some what were some takeaways? I mean, what were some of the things that you really enjoyed about uh, being able to be there for the annual in Las Vegas? Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start because it was all, it was all amazing. I think it was just the absolute passion. And I feel like the, the way that I would sum up everybody at the Blair conference is curiously obsessed. And I think that's the thing that I loved about what everybody was doing was going, this is where my current understanding is, but I'm still working on this. So yeah. Every single presenter had the same kind of like thread through all of it going, I'm going to share with you what I've learned, but this is very much work in progress um, and loved going through the adjusting stations. Honestly, yeah. that's the best because I do not have the opportunity for anybody to watch my adjustments and give me feedback. So I'm basically just doing what I think is right and I might be doing sure. the wrong thing for ages. So everything was meaningful to me. And I, at some point, turned to Dr. Karen, who's my colleague from in the South Island from New Zealand, and I said to her, just take a minute. I know that they're going through handing out the certificates for certification really quickly because this is just procedure. But for us, this is massive. So just give yourself yeah. a pat on the back for, for completing that. Yeah, and shout out to Dr. Karen. I got to, she was in my, my group doing the adjusting stations and we got to chat a little bit. And uh, she told me a little bit about her story and, and her path to getting, it, it's awesome. Like, it's just one of those deals, right? Like you show up and there's a bunch of people, you know, a bunch of people you don't know. And you just kind of strike up a conversation in between things. And it's like, oh my God, you know, like what a cool person, you know, with an interesting story. So congratulations to Dr. Karen too. I appreciate that uh, we got to like connect a little bit. And she had mentioned that you were there with her and she's like, oh, I'll introduce you to my friend. And it just never worked out. But um, I, I appreciated like her level of enthusiasm too, because like, you're right. I, I we do what f we think is right and what feels right. But it's like, you talked about those adjusting videos, like Dr. Hubbard, Dr. Todd Hubbard and me versus you, like we're all different body types. We're all different, like shapes and sizes. Like you have to find a way to make these Blair principles 
apply to what you can do, you know, with your skills and your body. And so it's like, I always love when you watch these people that have been doing it a super long time and like different types of people, right? Ian Bulow's like 17 feet tall. You've got guys that are like short like me. You got people that are super fast, super precise. You get to kind of pull out the principles. And if you have someone identify like in your setups, like, oh, this is something I keep screwing up on different adjustments. That's the thing you work on. You know, and as you work on that, all the adjustments get better. And the thing I remember from the first Blair conference I went to with that exact thing is like the like pisiform control. It's like students and young docs, our hands are going all over the place. These people could just like maneuver their whole body and everything around just a very specific point on the pisiform. It's like, oh, that's a thing to work on. You know, that control and that like um, that connection to the contact all the way through the adjustments. So that was something I took away and, and still pay attention to. So you're exactly right. I mean, it's it's a powerful thing to get that kinesthetic feedback of like, you feel like this, but try that. You know, and, and those little tweaks can often make a big difference. And then I always tell students, like, when you go and, and learn that stuff, like, then practice the crap out of it. You know, do it a lot, you know, and practice that feeling that you got until it becomes normal. And take the videos and send them to your mentors and do all that stuff, too. Because we do need feedback. Like, it's that whole slipping and checking thing. It's like, nobody does things because they think they're doing it wrong. You know, it's like, we all think we're doing the right thing. But doesn't mean we are. Uh, and with this kind of stuff, like precision and specificity is the whole point. Uh, so it behooves us to kind of pay attention to those details and, and get the feedback when we can. Which is like, Absolutely. I always see people that ne they never do the, the hands-on part. They just like go talk in the hall or something. I'm like, you know, this is a unique opportunity to get feedback from a lot of different people. And to see, and I always like to watch the other people that are at the stations too. Like, what do they do well? What do they not do well? Like... What do they struggle with? What are they good at? You know, how how does the instructor correct them? You know, what thing can I learn from what they need improvement on? Like, there's just so much you can gain from. And it, it all happens fast. There's a lot of adjustments. It's short time at each table. But uh, tons and tons of benefit there. And a, and a totally different field than just like a Blair seminar, you know, in an office somewhere. So like you said, the intensity is like, I like it. You know, it's, it's, it's there's this energy, right? Like when you're in a room full of like-minded people that are all working on the same thing, like it kind of just, I feel like you learn better. I don't know. I feel like I always learn faster in that type of energy, but that's just me. Yeah. I'm the same. And that's why we're the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like part of the reason I, I, like I'm super encouraged whenever folks give me good feedback about this podcast. Cause like it's, a passion project, you know, it's like something fun for me. And like, I've had so many mentors and folks that have just been like, so willing to go out of their way for no reason, you know, for nothing in it for them to just help me, you know, answer my questions, like, uh, you know, uh, entertain my ideas about things like all that stuff. And it's just, I've had so many valuable conversations that, you know, hang up the phone and go like, man, I wish somebody else would have heard that, you know, or like could have listened into that little bit right there. Cause I know, other people could benefit from that. And it was like, well, we kind of have the technology, you know? And so a big part of me doing this was like, for people like me, it's like, I, uh, I relate to people easy. I, I've always, always found it easy to like carry on conversations with people. And so I thought, well, maybe there's some natural gifting there, but with the technology, like I've definitely, uh, seen that other people are getting a lot out of this too. And that's like a positive feedback loop. It motivates me to continue to like do it and to uh, bring these conversations to people because you, you kind of take for granted how, um, how much we need this kind of thing. You know, it's like how much we need to have these st stimulating conversations and to like 
be connected with people that think like us and have similar challenges, you know? And so whether it's someone who's been in practice for 50, 100 years, you know, like some of the people I've talked with or other people that are students or still in school, it's like the perspectives are all different, but we all have, we all have similar needs, right? It's that intellectual curiosity. It's that obsession with like, "Ah, I want to get better results. You know, it's, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, this is my struggles. What are yours? Like all that stuff that happens in the back of the room, you know, not on the stage, those conversations are super valuable. And uh, I'm glad that, that you and others have found a lot of value in it. So I'll just keep going. It's fun. Yes, please. I, I've, <laughs> I've gotten the most out of it. I tell people all the time, like, nobody's got more out of this than me. I And this is maybe embarrassing, but like, I listen to my own episodes. Like every Tuesday when it comes out, I listen on my way to work. And I like sometimes surprise myself with something smart I said. Or you listen to other folks and it's like, man, I remember having this conversation, but that part, I just, that just really jumped out in this moment. And I love being able to go back, you know, and like, so leave this like legacy of, of conversations over time because, you know, I, I just got a message from a guy on Instagram right before we started, uh, right before we started, he's like, man, this, you know, I really value what you're doing. And I'm not, you know, this is not to pat myself on the back, but it's, it proves that we're meeting a need, right? It's like conversations like what you and I are having and us sharing this with people, it's meeting a need. You know, and so yeah, it and it's not bragging if it's true because you're making a big difference. So you're allowed to pat yourself on the back because, you know, every single interaction that I've had with chiropractic along this journey has been one single bit of information that just sparks, you know, like my spidey senses tingle and then I go off in a direction. So it might be one sentence of one episode with a specific person that can massively change the direction that somebody chooses to go in. So... Yeah, you're doing an yeah. awesome job. I'm kind of one of those people too that like I I think once you know something, you're accountable to it. So it's like I'm just trying to put out as much information so that like I'm accountable to the people and to the information and so are they. You know, and there's no more of this, well, I didn't know, or my mentor never told me kind of stuff. It's like, come on, we gotta do better. And yes. uh it's it's you know, I always put on my post, like live, learn and do better. It's not that big a deal. Like, let's just keep working on it. You know, mm. like some of the stuff we get so upset and emotional about with, with chiropractic techniques and all this stuff is like, it's, it's not that important, you know? Um, mm. But what is important is us supporting each other and helping each other do better and be better and continue to contribute. You know, and ever since I got involved in the upper cervical world, you keep hearing this like give back kind of conversation. And it's like, well, how do we give back? You know, we got to bring what we're good at. You know, we got to bring our unique talents and uh, opportunities to the table. And, and I want mm-hmm. everybody to feel that they have something to offer and find a way to do it. Because like with you, it's like you didn't have a million people saying, well, you should go do a Blair seminar. You should try this. You should check this out. Like, I know you're not supposed to, but it'd be a good idea if you did. Like you had to find it in yourself to go out of your comfort zone and do that. Right. And I want people to feel that they can do that, too, you know, because I think a lot of times in life and in, in culture, there's all this fear and there's all this like, uh, you know, well, you can't do this. You shouldn't do that. Everybody else is doing this. Like there's so much confusion and fear that I think stifles a lot of human potential. And like we've been talking about, chiropractic is about empowerment and, and reaching your potential. You know, so as chiropractors, we need to model that for each other and for our patients. And I think that's kind of a, you know, it's one thing to be good at your technique, but like to bring those principles into real life because they are life principles, mm-hmm. you know, they're not just uh, spine principles, you know, it's like, I think we have a unique opportunity to do that. So Yeah, and one of the questions you asked me that you sent through was what would be advice that I give to somebody 
And I, and I really thought about that. And I think it's the whole concept of not settling, just like we were talking about, you know, like what's normal kid stuff, just because it's common, it's not normal. So don't settle for it. And even with, you know, like chiropractic in our education, if you are called to do something different or out of the box or like don't settle for what's on offer, you can always investigate different possibilities and different opportunities. So like if you feel intrigued about something, don't just sit back and like you say, go, oh, well, they never told me. Nobody said that I should. It's your responsibility and it's your life, just like with your health. Like if you want that, take action. Hey, we just wanted to say thank you for listening to Atlas of Chiropractic. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Go ahead and subscribe to the show and turn on notifications so that you're the first to know about new episodes. Leave a rating and review to let others know how you really feel about the conversations we're having. And last thing, check the show notes for relevant links, contact info, and resources that we mentioned during this episode. 